give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, and believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Deck, NBA Draft podcast my name is Corey Tulliba and i am here as always with my co-host albert garbage time gim albert how are we doing today it's the best day of our lives today is what today is um we just dropped we just dropped the uh the draft guide our merch um no ceilings is flying high i had a great memorial day weekend had great food. I watched Top Gun Maverick, and now that's all I want to talk about and think about. <laughs> um, it, life is fantastic right now, Corey. It is a, it's an incredible time to be alive, and we're back, and we're talking about a guy that I absolutely love. So I don't know, man. The stars, the stars are just aligning, and there's a lot to be thankful for, and a lot to do. And special shout out to all of our listeners for everybody who's been riding with us from day one. Uh, it's because of you guys that we're here, so everything feels incredible, dude. It's a special day, man. It is a special day. It's been months of hard work, and uh, it's exciting times because the launch went, you know, uh, it exceeded expectations, and that's a testament to the loyal viewership, readership, listenership of the people who are rocking with no ceilings. Um, I'm not going to lie, after we went live, I crashed completely. Like I've been going, I've been on fumes, just grinding away, trying to put the finishing touches on the draft guide and the merch and everything. And uh shout out, especially to, uh, to Dave and um, was it your sister-in-law, right? Yeah. Esther. Yeah. Esther, who, who helped with a few of the designs in the merch store who killed it. Um, but I crashed. I took a nap. And I was just out. I was like, my body was like, all right, you you cross the finish line. It's time to shut down for a little bit. But we're back. Oof. We are back. Uh, and we're going to break down Santa Clara's Jalen Williams. Uh, so Mr. Williams just turned 21 recently. Measured in at 6'6", 210 with a 7'2.5 wingspan. Stats, 18 points per game, 4.4 rebounds per game, 4.2 assists to 2.1 turnovers, 2 to 1 assists to turnover ratio, not bad. 1.2 steals, a half a block, shot 51.3% from the field, 39.6% from three, 80.9% from the free throw line, true shooting percentage of 60.1, PER of 22.8. Uh, Jalen was not a preseason draft prospect, but currently... And some of these, I think, may even be low because some of the some of the outlets have not completely updated their rankings um, since after the combine and and with all the new information, including us, which new big board at No Ceilings will be going out soon. But ESPN moved him up to twenty four, the Athletic up to twenty five, Tankathon to thirty seven, Basketball News moved him up to thirty two. Bleacher Report has him at 20. Sports Illustrated at 46. The Ringer, 25. No Ceilings, 27. Average price of 29 and a half. So, Albert, is Jalen Williams' stock 
price too high, too low, or just right? Um, so for me, considering everything that you just said, I think it makes sense in terms of where he's at. As you mentioned, things haven't been updated, blah, blah, blah. Um, I understand all that. I think for me, if I'm going straight off of my big board, then yeah, for sure. I think he's way too low. Um, I have Jalen Williams in my lottery right now, uh, which I, I didn't realize was going to be that controversial, uh, but I got a lot of feedback on that uh on twitter but that's cool Interesting. i mean look it's fine you guys can feel it's a what social you feel network it's a social network it, it's right. supposed to be you're right. supposed to get feedback <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and i'm cool with all that but um yeah i think it's a little bit low just because i have him pretty high so that is how i feel yeah i also have him dangerously high compared to the rest of consensus and i think it's just way too low I think that this kid is really good. I think when you watch his film and you really break it down, there's a lot to like there. And what have we heard? Like this whole draft cycle, all we hear is that this draft is like from 10 on is, is flat, right? Like maybe from 15 on wherever you're at. So if, if that's the case, I think that having him ranked where you feel appropriate is the way to go. And you shouldn't be going by consensus. And again, these big board rankings are not a mock draft, which is something that you had to explain to some of the people when you posted your board, that these are just your personal rankings of where you view prospects. Uh, but one of the big reasons that I wanted to cover Jalen uh, this week is because you wrote about him recently and you actually ended the article and you're a Knicks fan mm-hmm. with like, if the Knicks took Jalen at 11, you would be stoked about that. You then went on the Strickland pod and they had you come on to talk about Jalen and break down what you wrote about him. And they, the Knicks fans from the Strickland uh, crew, they were like, yeah, I can get on board with Jalen at 11 as well. So I, there's a momentum building that I think that if you're, you know, into the draft, if you're following it and you're, even if you're getting into it now, and you haven't been following the full cycle, which maybe even helps his case from people that like don't have the perspective of he came from out of nowhere, right? You're jumping in and you're actually viewing him through the lens of like, okay, this is just a good basketball player. Not like, oh, he wasn't ranked six months ago. Um, I think that you start to realize that this is a guy that maybe if he goes, you know, in the lottery, right outside the lottery, top 20, mm-hmm. it's not such a shock. Yeah, I I a million trillion times agree. I at this point with what we've seen and now this is me having done a deep dive of his tape, I top 20 is fantastic for me. And like I said on the trickling pod, uh said in my article, if the Knicks were to grab him at 11, I just don't see what the problem would be. Um just realistically, he's a guy who easily slides in next to RJ Barrett, can easily play with him and we'll we'll get into why, but I just kind of want to start there as a foundation of what I'm going to be be talking a lot about on this pod is that he is a, he's a very talented basketball player and not is he only just talented. He's a very skillful basketball player, very intelligent basketball player, very adaptable, versatile basketball player as well. And so if you kind of take all those factors together and you think about some of these teams at the top of the draft in the lottery, mid lottery, late lottery, uh, he's a guy worth, uh, spending that level of a draft pick on because of what he's going to offer uh, on so many different levels. 
now I'm going to ask you a question and I'm tugging at your heartstrings a little bit mm-hmm. because I picked three guys that you wrote about. Oh boy. If you had $10 to invest in Jalen Williams, your boy, my boy, Dale and Terry and Wendell Moore. How are you spending your $10? Versatile guys, ball handlers, multifaceted, wingy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so damn hard. That's cool. Um, yeah. You know, I just wanted to mind fuck you quick. Yeah. Before we get into I, this gout. I did not think you'd take those three, but it actually makes sense. But it's cool. I, I'm ready. Um, I, Dale and Terry is my favorite player in this draft and I'm, and I'm ready to, and I've said this for months. So I'm going to go Dale and Terry, five bucks, Jalen Williams, four bucks, and I'm going to give Wendell Moore a dollar. Um, mm. And, and this is what's like, I love Wendell Moore too. It's just, I'm that irrationally high. I don't know. No, no, no. I don't want to say irrationally. You're rational. I am rationally, you are rational. rationally high on Dale and Terry and Jalen yes. Williams. So yeah, five, four, one. I love that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I was watching, I don't remember if it was a clip that I saw on Twitter or if it was from the ESPN special, like YouTube special with like Kevin Pelton, Jonathan Gavoni, and uh, a couple other people were on it. I think Bobby Marks. And they asked like, they asked Gavoni, who was the guy that you wouldn't be shocked if they crept into the lottery combo? And his answer was Dale and Terry. His answer was Dale and Terry. And he was like, executives around the league are kind of asking like, is this Herb Jones? Is he this year's Herb Jones is like this guy, like, are we really going to let him slip into the second round? And teams are starting to ask him like, what range do you think that we have to be at to take him? Are we, is this a trade back guy? And now it's starting to sound like it may actually be a trade up guy for Terry and it makes complete sense because he's six seven with a seven foot wingspan and he's got guard skills and he's a developing like as weird as his uh mechanics could look from time to time like he's been an effective three-point shooter you know I I think in general the volume isn't there with any of it because he was you know kind of stuck behind Kerr for Mm -hmm. for the season but he he really broke out when he went down in a big way. And it looks like he could have sustained that if that was his role from the, from the jump. And he's Mm -hmm. the, he's the modern NBA, but let's get into Jalen Williams because well, first I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to take five for Jalen. Okay. I'm going to take four for Dalen. Nice. And I'm going to give a dollar to Wendell. Yeah. And again, I like Wendell. I saw him multiple times this year. I think I thought, especially well, in both games that I saw him, he was a big difference maker against Kentucky and Miami. He was a big time difference maker. And in Miami specifically, he made like a couple of really big time defensive plays that were really mm-hmm. important to the game. He, you know, I think he's a, a, I buy the shot. I buy, I buy it all. He could easily be this year's Io DeSumo, which is incredibly valuable. Um, and is like, you know, if you look back and you look at the rankings, Io is in everyone's top 10 based on his rookie season now for for this class so could that be a possibly possibility for Wendell I think so I think it's possible if he goes to the right situation but I just believe in Jalen and Dalen a little bit more because I think I I buy like their passing vision and flashes and their pacing a little bit a little bit more but let's get into the scout 
where do you want to start with Jalen shooting? Uh, well, okay. So it's, that's interesting. Cause usually we just get into it and I'm surprised you even asked because I have a question and okay. that's, that's awesome. Okay. This is fun. So in my notes, one of the biggest things that I wanted to ask you about was how you felt about his movement shooting. Um, watching, watching his tape, doing the deep dive for the article and for the pod, I felt like, um, not that it was inconsistent, but there are certain things about his his movement shooting that I didn't absolutely love. But at the same time, I don't know if I like fully trust my eyes sometimes. So wanted to ask you and what you thought, because I thought sometimes like I don't know if it was his balance or his concentration or what it was. But coming off screens on the move, catching and shooting, one dribble, whatever, it, it, it wasn't always like the the the, the best the most pristine mm-hmm. stuff. So I wanted to ask, maybe c- can we start there? Maybe kind of get your feedback on that. You know, I, that is interesting that you want to start with movement shooting because it's not something that I was completely like thinking we were going to speak about. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. And that's fine. I think that's good that you're bringing a new perspective. I think that, Look, I think when he's playing off the catch, he's a very good shooter. Yeah. Right. And and especially as, as a three-point shooter off the catch, as a floor spacer, he was excellent this year. I mean, overall, he finished at nearly 40% uh, from behind the arc. So mm-hmm. right away, like, yes, positive um, there. As a movement shooter, I don't know if I, I look at him and go, like, can he – is he going to move around the court like Kyung Jung Lee? Yeah like Duncan Robinson, like these, yeah. uh, Max Struess, these guys who are like flying off pin downs mm-hmm. and coming through floppy. elevators and running off floppy. Right. Like, I don't know how much I see him in it. Well, with floppy, what's interesting about him in those kind of sets is like, you're kind of like using that to get him open, but he's so yeah good with the ball in his hands that like mm-hmm. you, if you close hard on him, he's able to like use that to, to rip to the hoop. And then, mm-hmm. Uh, there's interesting stuff there and he's such a good passer that I I think that using him in those sets is, is smart but like as just like are we going to use these sets to get him an open look for three is something I don't think he's going to be used in mm-hmm. in his NBA career much um, mm-hmm. not to say that he'll never be used that way but I, right. I don't think that's like his game so but, the re- okay so the, no, I wanted to give you the reason why I asked. So the reason why I asked that question was reading other people's stuff on Jalen Williams. The biggest yeah. question that people seem to have with him is, is the shooting believable considering how he shot the years prior? Right. Um, was one of the biggest critiques that I've read with him. And so when I went deeper and I watched him shoot and when I saw him shoot off of screens, shoot off the catch, whatever, I felt like that was where, I could understand why people would ask that question because off movement, I thought that's where he can fine tune a little bit, or maybe it was that some of the stuff that he was struggling with would kind of rear its ugly head when he would be shooting off movement was, I think the reason why I asked the question, but I, I think Corey, ultimately your answer kind of, answer that for me because ultimately if he's not going to be asked to do a ton of it, then he's going to be okay because I'm sure 
every aspect of his shooting is going to get better on the next level. And so if he's not asked to do that too much anyway, then it's not a major concern. It's just, yeah, once again, like I only brought it up because I saw the critiques. And then when I watched his tape, I was like, oh, maybe this is where people are getting that from. Or maybe like that's where those old bad habits are kind of showing itself. Was the reason why I asked. Yeah. No. And I get that. But I think when I think of him, I think of him as the guy who's playing with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if, and it'll all depend where you're drafting him, but like, I look at him, like, let's even say you draft him, you're the thunder and you have pick 30. Let's say you're, you're going to draft him to, to be your 30th pick. Yeah. Okay. You're probably still drafting him with like having in mind that he is going to maybe run your second unit as a ball handler. Mm. Like, even if it, he's not bringing the ball up the floor every time down, you're like, okay, when we get it to the wing, we're probably going to run some kind of side ball screen action right. with him, right? Right. So I just don't necessarily foresee him as a guy who is going to be heavily used off movement. If he becomes that, you're talking about, you know, I, I don't even know at what kind yeah. of level player he could be because he's going to be right. – dynamic as a shooter everywhere but as is i think like if i'm looking at movement i'm seeing him more used as like he's coming off a simple flare on the Mm -hmm. weak side to be hit in motion rather than like a guy who's kind of like jj reddick in that regard but shooting off movement is a skill is really hard Mm -hmm. and that's why when we covered kyung jung lee we were like this dude is ridiculous as a shooter because he's that guy that you can run off all those actions Right. Mm-hmm. And then what we see the issue in the playoffs with guys with that skill set, it's like on one end, you kind of have Duncan Robinson, who, although he's so deadly as a shooter, when you get deep into the playoffs, is he going to get played off the floor? Is he yeah. going to be targeted? And like sometimes the Heat were desperate and they needed to like see if they can get any kind of offense mm-hmm. and like live with it. And then they have, you know, Max Struss, who, Struess, yeah, you know, Struess, who's like, a little bit better defensively, a little more. I mean, oh, they yeah. were still targeting him. Yeah. Boston was, but yeah. like you can live with it, but like, that's kind of the, the indicator with those guys. Like, all right, you're going to run off all this stuff. Now we just need you to defend. Whereas like Jalen, it's like, you, he's got so many other things in his toolkit that I don't know if he becomes a movement shooter, like great, but that's not, I think a lot of times those guys are like specialists. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I think it just from what I noticed with Santa Clara, I think they were at times running some like, you know, baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds stuff for him where he'd be coming off of screens and then he would take a shot, you know, and I was just like, oh, you know, once again, like "Eh, maybe maybe not the best. And maybe that's where people want to nitpick a little bit, because court, I think my ultimate point is because he's like this name. That kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of people. Obviously, yeah. not you and Rucker, but for the general public, I think he's kind of the where the hell did this guy come from after right. the combine? I think as people dig into his tape, they're gonna try to nitpick and be like, oh, that's why he was a nobody. That's why he wasn't on these big boards, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of I, I think where my head went, but sure. I'm with you, man. We're gonna get in, or we're obviously gonna go into more of the nitty-gritty in terms of his game, but he's a guy that you want to put the ball in his hands and he's gonna make stuff happen. But also, even off ball, um, he's gonna be a guy where if he's if he's standing in the corner and he catches the ball off of some skip pass or whatever, he 
he's gonna be he's gonna be able to nail it so yeah. um if anything maybe we move on to another aspect of his shooting <laughs> yeah i and i yeah. think i i mean for me and i think this will bleed into other aspects of the game that we're going to dive into is like his shooting out of ball screens yeah and that's going to be twofold and i guess you know we were just talking about his movement three-point shooting so i guess we could start with like just him as a three-point shooter with the ball in his hands and that's an aspect that he's really he really improved and thrived in this season at santa clara Mm -hmm. uh and i even think he's a little he's a little bit surprised that you know he had the shooting season that he had if you listen and watch the the interview and breakdown he did with uh new assistant general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, Mike Schmitz, shout out to Schmitz, that he was kind of like, you know, I knew the mid-range game was going to be money. I'm a little surprised that, you know, the the deep ball was kind of like I was shooting it as effectively. But with that comes confidence to continue mm-hmm. and to build off that. And, you know, he put in work in the offseason and it, and it showed. But, like, with a guy like that, your number one thing who's playing pick and roll, can a team go under? Right. Because if if you're a guy who's running, like Ben Simmons, what team is ever going over Ben Simmons mm-hmm. on Ben Simmons, right? No one. No one's doing that. It doesn't make sense. He's not shooting that. So go under and meet him at the spot. Right. If you could do that with Jalen, you're making a lot of his you know pick and roll work a little bit less effective. But you can't. Mm-hmm. Sh- mm-hmm. If you go under he's going to let it fly. He's going to knock it down. And he showed that he's got a little bit of range. He's got the mm-hmm. NBA range. He knocked it down with regularity from distance. So mm-hmm. off the bounce, um, I think right away, check one on, on the box of things I'm looking for. Can he make teams pay going under? And I think he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you, Corey. I don't have uh, Luka Doncic's, uh, St- career stats on, in front of me but i'm sure, sure. he's never been a 40 percent three-point shooter and not. that's kind of like my point with with jalen williams and that he's gonna be enough of a threat as a three-point shooter off the dribble off the catch whatever just overall like as a shooter he's gonna be more than a, a big enough threat that people won't be able to go under people right. are gonna have to respect the jump shot and then once that happens as you mentioned that opens up the rest of his bag. If you think about it, it's the key to his game, really, I think, in a lot of ways, where, of course, like, if he didn't have the handle, didn't have the passing, then, of course, all this is kind of a moot point. But because he can hit the shot at a respectable level, that really opens up the rest of what he's, like, really phenomenal at. So I'm with you, man. The shooting off the dribble, um, he can really – there. He can shoot it from range for sure. He took some really long ones. Um, in my article, I posted one where he shot it like maybe a couple steps inside of half court, and it just looked absolutely pure and awesome. So he definitely has the range for sure. And if he can look, he shot what 38, 39% this year from three next season or moving forward, if you know, in his prime, whatever, if he's shooting anywhere, anywhere from 35 to 37%. You respect that jump shot. You have to respect that jump shot. And that is more than enough to open up his his full potential and his full game. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, Let's shout out the chat. Everybody watching live. Uh, Eli Sean Broad says, Jalen Williams is the man. Been trying to tell people about him for months now. Shout out to Eli. Lucas Peng, let's go. Finally caught a pod live. Shout out Lucas. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I titled the 
the YouTube video, the YouTube live stream, is Jalen Williams a lottery pick? Uh, Josh, the Pels fan, says maybe with the side eye emoji. <laughs> Jeff, Na- uh, Jeff Nandor, I don't think so. As a Cavs fan, I think there'll be a few guys available they'll like better. That okay. is uh, potentially Fair. potentially true. Uh, G. Taylor says he just says thanks, thanks, fellas, Aww. and thank you, thank, thank you, you for for tuning in. Uh, Josh, the Pels fan, with the live update. Jalen Williams, Santa Clara, greater than Jalen Williams, Arkansas. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. I, that's, I don't think that's controversial. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it might be for some people. To be completely honest, there oh. are, there's a a segment of Jalen Williams, Arkansas fans who were pretty convinced he's you know um, a very like a top twenty guy. Mm-hmm. I did a uh, I did Thompson. a I did a radio hit. Mm-hmm. Um, for an Arkansas radio station a couple weeks back, and they were like mm-hmm. trying to throw some Jalen Williams talk in there, which I get. He played the bass, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's got some fans. So we're talking about Jalen going, uh, having the ability to make teams pay for going under, mm-hmm. and that means when you're going over, this is where you're seeing the Jalen Williams show. This mm-hmm. is what you're paying for when you buy the ticket. Mm-hmm. When he's coming off a ball screen. And he's got you on your hip, or on his hip, rather. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll talk about the mid-range game first. Like he's he's he loves to live in that mid-range area. He loves mm-hmm. to to feel you push off, get like little clean looks. Um, and he's leveraging that that threat of the mid-range shot to play that cat and mouse game with the big man. Mm-hmm. Now the big man's got to stretch out and kind of come and contest the mid-range jumper. That way he can, you know, if the guard hasn't recovered and that's when you start to see the playmaking open up, but right. the mid range game again is, is another thing. It's like the second step from, all right, you can't go under the screen. You got to go over step one, step two. Okay. Now we have to worry about the threat of the mid range shot. So he's coming off the ball screen. He loves going left. He mm-hmm. loves going left off the screens. Uh, loves, he can go right as well. And he loves snaking the screens. Yeah. Um, going from the right side back out to the left side. And a lot of shooters like going shooting, you know, off going left. Uh, Cause the ball just, it's like a, an easier motion a lot of times. Uh, and again, the big man's got to worry about, okay, now I have to worry about the guard and I got to worry about the big. So you're putting mm-hmm. it in that two on one situation. That is like the ultimate goal of, you know, putting somebody in a ball screen, mm-hmm. but the, the mid range shot, I absolutely love it's effortless. He can hit it like leaning, and being off balance, he can, mm-hmm. you know, obviously hit it cleanly. But to me, like this is this is the bread and butter for for Mr. Williams. Yeah, and that's and that's Corey. If you think think about it, we've talked about this so much over the last year plus. But guys who can operate in that mid range, guys who are comfortable not only taking the jump shot from the mid range, but also creating and making reads off of it, those are the guys who tend to do really well in the playoffs. Uh, is yes. something that we've come to notice and are, are really valuable players in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I'm super into it, man. Like some of the passes that uh, we'll talk about the passing later. Let me let me pause myself there. But yeah, <laughs> the shooting for sure, man. And also, Corey, you mentioned it too. Like once once he's snaking stuff and he's getting in there, I, the threat of the jump shot is real. Like these teams who do their homework. Uh, before playing against Jalen Williams, there's there's that threat, and so he really puts them in in hell 
when when he gets past that screen and he's coming downhill and he's you can see him you know thinking quickly and he's trying to make a decision there and teams are nervous they're actually yeah. nervous about it so and, and sometimes he'll get he'll get bigs going with the head fake and he'll 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 take advantage of that too, grabbing the foul or make the pass or whatever you know so he he's a scary guy he's a scary guy in the pick and roll a guy that you have to be aware of and i think he's he was so skilled at it in college that it's i i don't think there's going to be a huge um learning period for him on the next level like of course nba defenders are longer smarter faster all that stuff but you watch the the the, the way that he was maneuvering through the pick and roll in college and he, he did it a ton i don't know the stats on it but we i watched so much of him just operating out of the pick and roll it's he's gonna have so much experience under his belt that you know he's gonna be awesome so I, i'm 100 percent with you man and and once again, like because the three point shot is there enough and the mid range shot is so solid with him, like he he's just a weapon. He's an absolute yeah. weapon in the pick and roll. So, yeah. So the one thing about Jalen um, and I think this is a, a knock on him that is uh, something that has kind of been talked about for a while. If you've been following him is like, uh he maybe isn't as aggressive attacking the basket out of these situations. Now, you know, when you think of Jalen, it's pace, it's craftiness, right? Like that's his game. And all of the things we've talked about, like he shows on a consistent basis, how crafty, how, how well he plays at pace. I'd argue he's probably got, you know, one of the top three pacings in this entire draft. I think at times though, he needs to be a little tougher around the rim. I love mm-hmm. the crafty finishes, like the finesse, the, I, you know, one of the things he hit a major growth spurt. Mm-hmm. He was like five ten in high school. And so now he's six, six. And when he was in high school, he was like a little lumbering. Cause he had the same, he was wearing the same size shoes as he is mm-hmm. now. And he had the crazy wingspan. So he was like trying to figure out his body a little bit. So he had to um, figure out how to move. Cause I, I mean, look, I don't know personally, cause I'm not a very tall person, but from what I understand when you're growing and you're a tall dude, it, it you know, there's an awkward period and he mm-hmm. went through that. So he learned to do this kind of below the rim crafty stuff to, yeah. to while he was figuring out his body. Um, and now it he's got the measurables and like he tested really well athletically. So he's a little bit more athletic than you give him credit for, but he's still able to like master those little finesse craft finishes, which is something that I love something that's valuable at the next level. Um, especially with his length, his reach where he can kind of like, you know, he's going to be able to get to his spots and, and finish uh, with that skill. But there are times where I think that he bails out, like mm. he'll, he'll settle, for like a a leaning floater yeah you know like falling away from the rim instead of like just going to a guy's chest uh -hmm. and i think that you know when he's at his best he's being aggressive attacking the rim a little bit more often than he does and look he had some games where he was aggressive he had a 12 free throw game he's got a few eight free throw attempt games um Mm -hmm. but the consistency of like I know I can get to the spots. I can get to the rim. Now let me go and draw contact. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be an important aspect for him to improve upon at the next level. 
Yeah, man, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I wonder, Corey, you, you kind of presented it interestingly with, with the way you started with it, you know, his all growth spurt stuff and then everything after that. I feel like with him, I agree with everything that you said. I, I don't think, though, or not, not that I'm disagreeing with you, but I think I don't Which think he's contact. No, of course. I don't think he's contact averse. I think it's more of that first point that you made. Like, I think he was, he, it, it became like a habitual thing for him where he was always looking for angles and ways mm. to kind of get over and around uh, larger defenders that it, it's a fair point because a lot of people have mentioned like, oh, cool. He had the fourth highest vertical at the combine. That's cool, but we don't see it in the tape. And I think that's a very fair critique, a hundred percent. Like, I don't want to argue that because, you know, it's there, it's there in the tape. However, the thing that I want to mention is that as much as he's grown into his frame, when you watch him play and you look at his physique overall, I still think that there's more growing to do. And I don't mean by height. I mean, like even like his shoulders, like he has decent looking shoulders, but that's not his final, like that's not his final frame. I think he's going to add more weight. He's going to add more mass to him. And as you add more mass and you get bigger and you get stronger and you, you know, you're there with NBA coaching and all that stuff. I think he can be coached and taught to be more aggressive attacking the rim and, and going up, as you said, grabbing more fouls, going up and just dunking it. There were a lot of yes. possessions to your point where he'd get all the way to the basket. And then he's just like, you know what? Let me throw up a dainty little left-handed layup. And it's like, cool like you did that and it went in but you know once in a while with your 40 inch vertical and your long arms you can just absolutely rip the rim off the uh you know off of the off of the the hoop man like there is a lot of potential for you to kind of get nasty with it going to the rim so i think that's where like i really agree with you where it's i think a lot of it was like habitual a lot of it is him still growing but imagine Corey, like the way that i've been thinking about jalen is three to four years from now with 10 to 15 pounds more muscle and NBA coach is telling him, go dunk that Jalen. <laughs> I think uh, we're going to see a more aggressive, nastier player for sure. And then like also the fact that he has such a nice floater and nice touch and these savvy, yeah. nice little angles and stuff. All of that speaks to him. Like it's just, he's got all the cards. I think he's just got to learn how to play the cards a little bit better, but yeah. he has a fantastic hand and NBA coaches coaches will teach him how to best optimize the hand that it, that he's been dealt. I think that's, that's uh, an incredibly fair point. And I, I don't remember if I left it in the film session with Schmitz or not when I was editing it, but I think he even says like, you know, he is working on like just going up and dunking it and like, and, and being more aggressive as a finisher in that sense. I think like Schmitz mentions it, like sometimes you just got to go up and dunk it. Right. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think that's incredibly fair. And with the frame and as he matures, I, I totally, uh, I totally see that as, as something that he improves upon. And he's already like, you know, he's 21. He's so he's already got like a pretty decent base to start with as coming into the league, like 210 with the length. Yeah. And, yeah, I think if he makes a, a concerted effort and, and, you know, as he's putting in time in the weight room, which he's doing now, that's something that he could definitely, uh, I think we can definitely look forward to uh, seeing from him. Mm -hmm. The other aspect now, finally getting into it, is how he operates as a passer in the pick and roll, yeah. right? Talk to me about what you like about his passing. Mm. 
Um, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not perfect. I, I actually should say that it's not perfect. Um, if I start off with some critiques, I mean, he, he can be a risk taker for sure at times. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's a, he's, he's kind of, He's a real he loves throwing balls into tight windows, which mm. I get. I get, you know, like we see that with like young, talented NFL quarterbacks that have a rocket for an arm. They want to test those windows all the time and see uh, how, you know, if they can fit a ball in there. So I understand that. But there's um, a I'm difference because sure. yeah, it's calculated. It's more calculated because if you look at a guy like Alondis Williams, uh-huh, uh-huh. that's a guy who has the same has he's probably more creative a passer. Mm-hmm. than Jalen is mm-hmm. but Alondis is throwing some some wild looks around the floor he's making he's just like out there living his best life just mm-hmm. trying to like every play is almost got to feel like a highlight play yeah Jalen's yeah. a little more nuanced a little more solid in mm-hmm. how he's approaching when he's trying to like throw balls in tight windows well, yeah, no. So, hundred percent. And what it is is that I think you kind of get you kind of get both of those worlds, though. Um, if you're gonna be somebody who operates in those tight windows, then e- even if you're fantastic at it, there's still a risk there, you know. Definitely. So, I, I think we definitely get that with Jalen. But my thing with him, and, and I highlighted that this in my in my piece, but he will throw some of the most accurate absolutely mind-blowing passes out of the pick and roll the one that i highlighted specifically he's running off of stagger screens on the right wing and he is anticipating both either one or uh, the bigs to attack the rim and he sees uh the help side defender in the weak side corner and he look that these are all like we can slow it down and pause the video and stuff but this in real time that read is ridiculous and like and not only does he make the read of where the defender, because he sees the weak side defender leaning towards the shooter, right? So in his mind, he's that, like, oh, that's I'm... the one where he throws it up high. Oh. So that one is crazy because he throws it just high. He's anticipating the weak side guy to come down. He sees, I, I, in my mind, I think he sees that like, okay, he's not a center, obviously. So he puts it at the perfect height where it's out of the reach of him diving to stop the pass and just high enough or just low enough for his man to catch it. And it's just, it's an absolute dime. And yeah. I know I highlighted that one play, but you see that all the time with Jalen Williams. And it's not just those types of passes, but also like off of bounce passes. His bounce passes are beautiful, perfect timing, perfect accuracy. He's a phenomenal, an absolutely phenomenal operator out of the pick and roll, especially if we consider the passing that I'm talking about, plus the shooting we just talked about. He's a weapon. He's an absolute weapon, Corey. I, I don't remember the team that this play was against that I'm talking uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to bring up just now. I want to say it might have been Louisiana Tech, but it, it might the not have Kenny been. Lofton game? Yeah. He's so he's coming off uh, the baseline. Mm-hmm. He, he gets the ball, he rips, he goes baseline, and the help's coming. And because he's got the length and the touch and the feel, Mm -hmm. he wraps around a left-handed live dribble Mm -hmm. wraparound pass to the top of the key. It was like in the mid, in between top of the, the, the arc and the wing, like split that difference, like on the money for an open shot and his teammate missed the shot. So it's not going to count as an assist or show up in the highlight tape, but 
like the play you're you highlighted right there, the play I, I'm bringing up here, I was like, whoa, like that is some stuff that That's that gross. really is like this this is high level NBA stuff, right? And and when you're thinking about him in the context of like, okay, extra space, knockdown shooters, like if you're gonna overhelp and he can make that pass, he's gonna kill teams when he matures his game and and starts growing into himself as an NBA player. It's really intriguing, really impressive. And I mean, when we look at like point guards today, there are so few traditional point guards that are, are coming into the league and be, are like given these lead guard roles. I think the Mm -hmm. barrier of entry for the point guard position is so high Mm -hmm. that you have to be like a Damian Lillard level shot maker in order to be that kind of like six, two, six, three shot making guard. Right. In this class, it's like, all right, Yamantero started out high. He's dropped Kennedy Chandler started out high. He dropped, maybe he ride, he's risen up back up a little bit, but it's just like, when now when you're looking at what you want out of your lead ball handlers, it's like six, six yeah. long wingspan, good feel. Right. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, I brought mm-hmm. up IO Desumu earlier, like IO last year coming into the league. Uh, even like Derek white for Boston stepping in. Marcus smart is pretty tall. Like, right. I don't know. It's like, I, he almost feels now too, like, and he ran the offense for Santa Clara. He did. Like this is a guy who is a, a shooting guard slash wing sized height wise, who's mm-hmm. going to be able to guard multiple positions, but also is a lead initiator allowing you to play big with those passing chops. It's just, it's, it's very sick. intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely sick. And like Corey, like we, we talk about this all the time, right? Like p- positional versatility, right? Guys who can do more than just one thing, who can guard more than one position, who can play multiple roles. Like he, Jalen Williams feels like the poster child for that. Like we, yeah. we haven't even talked about his defense yet, but just offensively alone, like you put the ball in his hands, no problem. You mm-hmm. ask him to space the floor, seems like no problem. Um, off ball movement, cutting, no problem. Like this is a he, <clears throat> the biggest inquiry that I got from watching his tape breakdown with Schmitz. This is an, this is an extremely cerebral player. Mm-hmm. He is so smart and and, and yeah. the way that he talks about the game is unreal he's so well spoken it, it it's phenomenal you can just hear like oh this guy like really studies and knows the game and thinks the game at a really high level so i mean i'm with you man like it's it's pretty sick and if i could r- really quickly just go back to the passing like once again the accuracy right the, maybe he's not the most creative passer but who cares like he he's so accurate he's so smart he's thinking two three steps ahead there's so much to love there man so uh, i'm yeah i i don't i don't know how, how how much more i can praise him but this is an elite pick and roll operator and nba teams are clearly looking for that yeah and, and- yeah, we didn't even touch on like the transition passing. Like oh. he loves making the hit aheads, mm-hmm. like getting it out early. This is one of the things that like is really hard for young players to really understand unless mm-hmm. you kind of have it innately. 
I think mm-hmm. a lot of young players, and I see this at the high school level a lot, like a lot of young players want to hold the ball and almost like they want to do that thing where they're hold, 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 try to draw the defense, draw the defense in, and then like drop off. Like that's kind of more instinctual, I think, to a lot of young players. And what I what you always say is like, get it out early. Mm-hmm. Like, don't hold on to the ball. When I interviewed mm-hmm. Ryan Rollins, one of the things I asked him was, all right, so you're killing everybody as a scoring threat at Toledo. You're giving bucket after bucket after bucket. You're showing up on the scouting report. Like, are you, did you feel like your playmaking was improving as the year went on and you started understanding how to manipulate and leverage the threat of your scoring ability to hit uh, your teammates? And he was like, yeah, like, you know, when the scout came. And one of the things my, my coaches always said was like, don't take the extra dribble, get it out early. Mm-hmm. Don't take the, you know, Jalen's already got, he's got that instinctually. He is not going to like take extra dribbles. He's not going <clears> to <throat> hold on to the ball as he goes up the floor. If there is an opportunity to hit ahead, he is going to hit ahead. Right. And, and that's one of the things I love. I love how instinctual, how unselfish, just get it ahead. The Lonzo ball, the Halliburton, like these guys are moving the ball up the floor. And they're trying to get into offense early. And the easiest way to do that is to throw it ahead because the ball is going to move quicker than the man. And that's another thing that really stands out. I think Jalen is just, uh, and you talk about how cerebral he is and like, it's clear he has an understanding and a maturity to his game, which uh, is just really impressive. Yeah. And really quickly, Corey, just to piggyback off of your point, like it's, it's unreal. And the funny thing is, I think it's like an advantage thing. Corey like I think some people just innately are looking for advantages and they have the wherewithal and the smarts to find those advantages and so the the hit ahead passes are there even off of makes man sometimes even off of makes he'll push the ball and he'll see that the defense is not set and he'll be like oh cool I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use the screen right here and get all the way to the basket or I'm gonna get to the basket and hit the layup or they're gonna collapse on me I'll find the weak side shooter like he 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 sees the weaknesses and he mm. acts on it quickly. So yeah. it's like you mentioned the hit heads and all that stuff. But even like even when all five guys are back, if he sees they're not set, he can find an angle, find an advantage, and take advantage of that. So that's the that's the that's the cerebral part of it, man. He can think the game so quickly. And you said this on a pod recently. If you if you think the game fast, you can play slow. Yeah. And he is the epitome of that because he can find the holes in a defense. He can find the chaos. He can find the weaknesses and just take full advantage of it in, in terms of whatever that looks like. So he's great. He's freaking great, dude. He's freaking <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, man. He's uh this is uh that's my trademark. The the think the game fast, get play the game slow. It's something I try to teach my team mm-hmm. all the time. Like you don't have to be sped up. The slower like there's a reason Chris Paul could dominate people at age 37 as a below six foot guard. And it's because he thinks the game two steps ahead. And when you start and Luca, you know, they're not, Oh, Luca's coming in. Luca's not going to be athletic enough. He's not, he's not going to be able to blow by guys. And it's like, Luca's going to do whatever the hell he damn well pleases because a, he's a giant man. And you know, he's got the big frame, but like 
it's because he knows exactly where the defense is going to be. When he take, comes off a screen going to the right, he knows that there one guy is going to be cheating, looking for the weak side man is going to cheat, looking for the lob to, to break that up and tagging the roll. And then you're going to see the other wing try to split the difference. And depending on the positioning, he's going to be able to whip a weak side hit to either one of those guys. And then it's one extra pass and the X out is late and boom. Right. Yeah. So, I don't think that Jalen is a Luca level genius passer. I don't think he's a Chris Paul level genius passer, but yeah. I think that where he's at right now in his development, he is an incredibly encouraging passer with mm. a skill set of a guy who's also going to be able to get his own shot and knows how to leverage his scoring to help his teammates in an unselfish way. So yeah. shout out to everybody watching live in the chat um we've got some out. wild comments in there man we do it let's go nathan lewis says i don't think he makes it past the calves floor spacing and secondary playmaker is almost a perfect description of what they need he could be a bigger rubio replacement and close games with garland i love the fit with cleveland and we'll talk about fits and we'll talk about uh eli Shambrod says nba floor ceiling comp we're going to talk about that as well later on in the show I love the fit with the Cavs though, because that's, that's a really great point, Nathan. And I think that's, that's kind of the role you're looking at. Uh, Marv Bellasina says, are you familiar with Kai Soto? Do you have any takes on him? Uh, we don't have, not on this, not on this episode. We don't have any takes. This is, you know, we're, we're working other guys in that, that work with the guard conversation. Kai doesn't really fit too, too much. Um, he also says any takes on any, other Asian draft prospects, Young Jung Lee, Johnny Juzang, uh, Fanbo Zhang. Interesting guys. We did an episode on Young Jung Lee. Um, so if you go into the podcast feed or in the YouTube feed, you'll be able to find us. We did a full hour episode on Lee. It's one of our our guys in this class. Right. Um, Fanbo Zhang, interesting. <laughs> little interesting guys. I had a little bit more uh-huh. hopes for him having like a bigger season this year Same. with the Ignite. Uh, I, I don't think he's there. We're, I, I'm not a, a Juzang guy. Um, shout out to Dom120. Shout out to Corey for rocking the Knicks fan TV hat. Hey. Looking good, my guy. Shout out. Salute. Hit those. Hit that thumbs up for your boys. Um, <laughs> shout out my guy, CP. Congrats. Going to be hosting serious radio. Let's go. Let's go. New York stand Crazy. up. Uh, Nick Costanza. If somehow none of Johnny Matherin and AJ are there at 11 for the Knicks, give me Jalen. And then finally, Kenny 10. This is a good transition. Not believe in the height. He has some Ooh. offensive skills, but man, he gets beat easily on defense and is terrible at trying at fighting over screens. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Terrible. All right. Let's talk about his defense. 
let's start with the on-ball stuff because mm-hmm. I'm not in. I wouldn't say terrible, but I'm not in complete disagreement with Kenny. Yep. With Kenny Ten. Agree. I think he's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I think he would say he's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of the same point that I'm getting at with the finishing in his aggressiveness in contact. One of the things that we talked about with Davion last year, and it's one of my favorite things to teach defensively, you're seeing it, I think, with a guy like Marcus Smart in the playoffs, guys who play defense with their chest, who get up in your shit, make you uncomfortable, and are just able to beat you to the spot. And like, even if they had their hand, their arms cut off, they could still frustrate you. Right. Then you add in the aspect of these guys are also really long defenders. And now you're looking at like, now it's almost impossible to get by easily when there's effort and help coming. There are times, and I say inconsistent because there's, uh, I think both sides of the coin, but there are times when I feel like he's not being aggressive defensively. He doesn't get long, so he doesn't use his length. His arms are at his side. He's not always super physical. Mm-hmm. And because he can, you know, kind of all those things I just mentioned with his hands, you know, down, not using the length. There are times like in the San Francisco game, Jamari Bouye, like there are some positions he gave him the business. And that's yeah. a quick, shifty guard, right? And if we're talking about positional versatility and possibly like being your initiator, like that's a guy maybe he's matched up on a fair amount at the NBA level. So if he's not being aggressive, if he's not really trying to frustrate a guy who's like able to create on ball like that and is able to both shoot it from distance, but also get to the cup. That could be, you know, trouble. But he does have a nearly 7-3 wingspan. I think he's a smart defender who knows how to send his guys into help, understands team concepts, and when he's really engaged defensively, which I don't think he's like this guy who's like never engaged by right. any stretch. I think he's right. I would I would say I'm optimistic about him defensively. I think like he could be really really good because he moves, I think he does move his feet well and he's long. And even when he gets beat, he can use the length to kind of recover and and contest. And he's got good anticipation, but there are definitely times where I think that he's not being aggressive enough on ball. Yeah. I I mean, Corey, I kind of want to preface all this by saying there's a reason why I only wrote about his offense and my piece on him. Uh, yeah. And look, give me all the shit you want, uh, for agreeing with Corey all the time, but I, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I think the, what I wrote in my notes, a uh, little awkward at times is how I want to characterize his defense. There are times where, uh, you mentioned that he has good feet and I agree with you. I think he has good feet. Sometimes they don't look good. And it's like, <laughs> the F is going on. Um, I think a, a very clear definitive line with him is when he gets into a stance, it looks good. Uh, mm-hmm. When he does not get into a stance, he gets absolutely torched. Um, there's a game against Washington State. They have a smaller guard. Don't know his name. Not going to pretend like I know him. Uh, <laughs> he he took him dancing a couple times. And you're like, well, not good. 
this is mm. not good tape that you have here. Uh, and then as I was like starting to get really negative about it, there's one possession, um, little little pick and roll, big man slips, and he's one-on-one on the switch. And uh, he's in a stance, and his hands are active, and he's poking, and he's staying in front of him, and he – the guy makes a long three-pointer off of a step back, but the contest was fantastic. He right. stayed in front of him the whole time, used his length uh, to contest the shot, even off of the step back. And I was like, look, I know the guy made the shot, and people may not put this in his highlight reel, but it was good defense. It was actually yeah. good defense. So, um, once again, you know, he's not going to be, I, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to be a first-team all-NBA, all-defense all guy uh, ever. But or well, who knows? He might prove me wrong, and he does that one day. But mm, as of now, from what we saw in college, there are clear areas that he needs to work on. And also, Corey, I did want to mention to his credit, uh, we we talked about it earlier. He was the focal point of them offensively, and for a lot of twenty-one year olds, if you're going to be the focal point of a, of a college offense, defense isn't going to be that high on your priority list, you know. And yeah, also, it's hard he- to go two ways. Correct, which is and why that's why I love Johnny, Johnny Davis. Davis. Uh, uh, but uh, Jalen Williams, I want to kind of throw him that little cookie there and be like, Look, I get it, bro. Like, you're, you're carrying the offense, it could be hard to play defense sometimes. Maybe you don't want to get into a stance, I get it. Uh, but the when he's in the stance, looks a lot better than when he's not. And when he's not, sometimes you know, his feet are crossing over and he's you know, getting beat pretty easily. But so for our for our friend out there, uh, Kenny number ten, Kenny ten, Ken ten, Ben ten, appreciate the appreciate the feedback. But I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, and he's talking about uh, terrible trying at fighting over screens. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that so one of the interesting things um, that was in the Schmitz video is that a lot of times, like Schmitz would try to highlight uh, a defensive possession, and he'd be like, you know, what what would you do if you had this one back? And he would be like, I would do the same thing because that's what the game plan was. That's what the scout was. And like, right. I'm going to do what my coach is asking me to do. So like in the uh, St. Mary, St. Mary's game um, there, if, if you go and watch, like there are some possession, like they're going under ball screens on I, I don't remember the dude's name he's like the bald white dude they're going under on him and like he knocks down some shots but it's very clear that the game plan is to meet him at the hoop and play him for the drive so like sometimes if you're just watching a clip it's going to be like okay why is he going under on this guy who's knocking down a shot and it looks bad but like that's what the game plan is I think when a lot of times when he's stepping up and over a screen, I think that he's anticipating it coming well and he's getting over. And then that length that he has allows him to get into the play. And he's like able to, you know, get deflections and poke aways and even block shots from behind and just kind of make the shots more difficult. I kind of, I think that he's pretty good at getting over, um, he's not perfect by any means. He's not Davion Mitchell. He's, you know, he's not like a slithery guard, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I, I'm not like super, I'm not down on him as a, you know, pick and roll defender uh, as much. And, and I've seen that critique of him. So I, I'm not saying it's baseless, uh, but I, 
I don't know. I'm pretty optimistic about it, looking at it from an NBA context. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I think once again, like even with that, Corey, I think a lot of that is, as you mentioned, coaching and direction, but also it's effort too, right? And you know, I think he he gives enough effort on that side. But once again, sometimes he just couldn't muster it, and that's something he's going to work on. And once again, we look at we look at these pro, at these prospects not as finished products, but as a work in progress. So yeah. I, I'm with you on that. It's something he's got to work on. But off ball, I really like him. So really quickly, Corey, can I just say? Yeah, of course. The thing that I like about him off ball is that I thought that's where his athleticism flashed the most. Mm, um, out of all the aspects of his game, I thought, oh, that was where I saw his vertical leap the most out of anything else. Now, I'm not saying he was some terrorizing shot blocker, but there are a good handful of possessions where you see him get up to contest a shot or recover or whatever. And it's like, oh, there's he's, the athleticism. He's good at getting vertical. Yes, big time. And using yeah. his length. Like he's not a guy who's like actively trying to swat shots like right. you know, Mitchell Robinson. He but he's really good at like using that kind of one two step uh vertical leap to just get long and kind of Roy Hibbert exactly. you know, uh, verticality type yeah. type contest uh looks. And to me, like, you know, off ball defense is just all film IQ and understanding, you know, team principles. So there are some, certain times, like, I, I don't think he's not a guy who gambles a lot, like in the passing lanes. And like, right. although he's long, you would, you know, think maybe he's closer to like two steals a game or whatever. Uh, but I, I don't personally, like, I am a guy that doesn't mind playing it safe and not trying to gamble all the time I, I i would rather just play defensive possessions out make proper rotations and hope that people are going to like make their own mistakes either throwing up bad looks or like throwing the ball away when when they dribble into you know tough situations so i don't mind that he's not like a, a crazy like st- like stocks guy but one that like i think if you're watching a game where you're like really understanding him as an off ball defender, like that Louisiana tech game, the Kenny Lofton game. Yeah. I thought he's really impressive because, you know, Kenny Lofton is that dude is a, a handful on the block, you know, for a college team, that dude is a handful on the block. And he was a handful at the combine scrimmages, like, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to Kenny Lofton jr. Right. I mean, obviously dude was a beast in the FIBA tournament, you know, and was a big reason USA won gold. Mm-hmm. That dude is a bucket and a handful down low, but like, so, Jalen's not guarding him, but he's understanding the idea to slow Kenny down. So when Kenny's a lefty, he wants the ball like in the left mid post left block area. And when he gets the ball there and he's his man is shading him baseline, kind of like trying to ice it a little bit, kind of force him into the help. So when Jalen's man was on the weak side in the weak corner, he's under the hoop at home in the right spot. And then he's just going and timing exactly when to rotate over. So he's not too early as to, you know, you can swing the ball and and be out of position or, and he's not late to where now Lofton's getting a layup. He's just timing it really well to where, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet because a lot of the times like Lofton's not even getting a lookup. Yeah. But it's just smart rotations. Um, 
And then like in the same kind of vein, like when you're just thinking like basic defensive shell, like he's really good balls up top or uh, balls on a wing. And if he's like up top and he's sinking a little bit like towards the net, like he's really good at digging at the ball and using his mm-hmm. length to get yes. his hands when, when defend, when ball handlers are trying to like slither through tight spaces. So I just think he's, he's pretty intelligent as a health defender. No, dude, a hundred percent. I, that point that you made at the end, right. The digging, the, the active hands, that's something that you see on tape that happens a, a lot in my opinion. Um, I, I mentioned it before, but, some of the stuff with him coming from the weak side and contesting at the rim. Like we're talking about a guy who's six, five, six, six, he's not a six, eight, six, 10 guy. And right. as you mentioned before, he's, he's not a Tari Eason. He's not going to be a big stocks guy. Right. Yeah. But he's a guy who's going to be there and alter shots and alter possessions just by timing. As you mentioned, presence, length, active hands, active feet, all that stuff. So, uh, I personally liked him a lot better off ball than I liked him on ball. Not that I didn't like him on ball once again, but we, as we mentioned, there are things for him to work on and off ball. I thought that's where you saw a little bit more of the athleticism plus the IQ that he has. So yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right. Let's talk about what team that you think would give him or would get the best ROI by taking him. We've already got one one vote in the chat for the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I didn't have on my personal list, but I actually think makes a lot of sense. So shout out to Nathan Lewis. So we're talking like mid to late lottery, right? I mean, it could be. Or even late teens, be, right? Right. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've seen this a lot on Twitter and I'm cool with it. Um, I, I do not mind the Hawks at all. Um, I have the Hawks on my list. Yeah, I'm like, cool. Um, interesting. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen him to the Hawks a, a lot on oh, Twitter, but I think that's I, an uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and I want to reference a tweet that Simon put out there, Hawks draft, that I thought was really genius. And I really resonate with he said, I, and now I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. I believe he said, I don't want the Hawks to build around Trey, but I want them to build with Trey mm. is I believe his tweet, what, what, what he said. And I really resonated with that. And I feel like a guy like Jalen Williams would be an example of that because he's such a good ball handler, a great manipulator of the pick and roll, a guy who's going to make high level reads out of that action, which is such a ridiculously popular action in the NBA, a guy who's going to be able to navigate that that well. And at such a high level is a great guy to pair with Trey young, because I, I, I think something that we're learning Corey is that maybe heliocentric offense offenses uh, kind of lose their luster over a seven game series. Yeah. If you've got a good defensive team with good defensive wings, uh, that heliocentric stuff isn't going to work out over time because it becomes a little bit monotonous. It becomes repetitive and you can start to make uh, the reads out of it. So for me, adding a guy who can do that with Trey as a secondary option becomes a very interesting uh, proposition for me. So the first team that came to mind was the Hawks was what Mm. I wanted to say. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I think the Hawks is, they were on my list. So I think that makes a ton of sense. And um, hopefully our, our boy Simon would uh, would like that pick if that was the the pick on, on draft night. I did put New York 
I did put yeah. New York, and I think that's one of his high end outcomes. Uh, I just like him in the backcourt with quickly with Grimes, with Deuce, even uh, with RJ. I like how he could play with any of those guys. I, I like that he could play with the front court guys. I think he would make a devastating pick and roll partner for Mitchell Robinson. If the Knicks keep Mitch in the off season, uh, really good pick and roll pick and pop partner with Taj Gibson, who will undoubtedly uh, be a rotation player for the Knicks next year. Mm-hmm. And then a little news broke that it looks like Brooklyn is deferring the Philadelphia 76ers pick until 2023. So Philadelphia will be, picking at 23 this year and i i think i like that pick i I think i like him in philly too like as a young piece to put next to tyrese maxi uh can learn a lot from james harden and how to play with you know how to really master pace and playmaking and some of the shooting stuff uh so i thought that was maybe an interesting possibility as well uh we got a vote for the blazers in the chat uh rain gibbs says grizzlies so I think that he's a popular guy. I think a lot of people that are really on the draft this year are going to be happy if their team takes Jalen Williams. I didn't even mention the Bulls at 18, but I'd be, you know, head over heels if, if the Bulls took him at, at 18. If you're buying stock in Jalen Williams, who may you have bought stock in previously? You're not going to like this one, Corey. Okay. <laughs> Just a thought, a little flash in the pan. Just a thought sure. that I had. I, I'm not married to it. Just want to throw that out there. What if he's exactly who he thought Troy Brown was supposed to be? Mm. I still like Troy Brown. I was big on Troy Brown coming out of Oregon. I was like, come he on. Had a, like I, he had know. the moment in Washington. Yeah. He had that what little if, run. What if Jalen becomes the guy that we always thought Troy Brown was going to be? That's interesting. Uh, Little, you know, a little something. You That's know. interesting. That's no uh, hate I on mean, Troy Brown. No, Troy Brown's problem is he just can't consistently knock down shots. Yeah, and but we thought he was going to. Well, yeah, <laughs> I would. It would have helped a lot if he if he could <laughs> for my Bulls. <laughs> but theoretically, like Long mm-hmm. can handle the ball a little bit. Exactly, should be able to shoot. Should be able to defend multiple positions. Like theoretically, exactly. Troy Brown should be an awesome NBA player. And when the Bulls traded. Gafford for him I was like great great move yeah like substitute your rim running you know lob catching big for a guy who's more modern and can maybe play in more lineups uh I still am not super disappointed with the trade because uh Gafford is you know I still don't think he's like the best but yeah you know Washington probably got the better uh, of that deal um, so, I guess I went mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. more guys who have played with the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. So my initial uh, a guy that I, when I first really getting into Jalen, I was like, oh, he reminds me a lot of like Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. Without yeah. the kind of crazy shots, mm-hmm. like more nuanced Kevin Porter Jr. He's not as like, quick twitchy as a leaper right. but he's got better size i think yeah. um but that was kind of like like righty nuance jalen williams and then one of the guys i've been and i even went back today and i started watching a little bit of his his film in depth 
And I'm not saying that he's the same level of prospect. So temper what I'm about to say. There's a lot of Shea Gilgis Alexander in okay. Jalen. I thought you were going to say Luca. I got scared for a second. No, 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 no. There's a lot of Shea Gilgis Alexander in him. Mm-hmm. And I went, I was watching some Thunder stuff today, how he operates in the mid range, how he's playing out of the pick and rolls. And I'm like, I see it. I see it. There is a lot of SGA in this kid. Now, Shea is more of an aggressive attacker of the rim. Um, and he was in college. Like Shea had a really good free throw rate in college, all that. I think he's a little quicker, but at the same time, he's been in NBA strength and conditioning. So he's able to improve on that and and improve his athleticism. I think that ultimately Jalen will be a little bit quicker and using that uh, more effectively in the league. Neither one of those guys I'm saying is, you know, Derek Rose or (laughs) or anything, (laughs) but like just the, the first step is a little quicker from SGA, but how they get their shots, how they operate in the pick and roll, the on off ball stuff. Obviously Jalen is a much better shooter or a much more effective shooter at volume in college. SGA was not like a deep three point yeah. threat by any means, but like uh, if you go and compare their, like their college numbers and obviously like SGA, you're comparing a freshman to uh, a junior. So it's not, you know, a, a, an apples to, to apples comparison, but like pretty similar type numbers. If you're, if you're looking at those two guys, uh, SGA exceeded expectations, you know? So this is the situation where, uh, I, again, I don't think he's going to be this, like, I'm not sure he's going to be this max contract, you know, potentially, you know, all-star caliber guy. But I, I think that I see shades of, of SGA in him. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. I think even the Kevin Porter one, I was thinking like Kevin Porter Jr. If he had like a Roth IRA, 401k, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Kevin Porter Jr. You know, who has like a life insurance policy, all that stuff. Just Um, nerdy Kevin Porter Jr. (laughs) Really responsible and uh, mature Kevin Porter. What I was, it was what I was thinking. I, I think that's all fair. The Shea one actually shocked me. Um, not because I disagree, but that's that's high praise, man. It's high yeah, praise, I, and, and I, I think I, he deserves it. I yeah. don't, I don't say it lightly. I, I don't. I know we talked. We just did a big board episode, but right. we had we've had to reorganize our big boards or start because re- we're we're going to be updating our our big board at, at No Ceilings next week, I believe. Yeah, next week. And uh, I put Jalen at ten. Boom. Boom. I'm he's, just, I, he's been, I, he looks like the modern NBA to me. I get it. There are going to be guys who I have after him that uh, people are going to be like, what you, you got this. How do you have? And I think that Jalen's high end outcome is a little bit higher than people are willing to give it credit for. Yeah. And we just, uh, we spend an hour and 15 minutes talking about it. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, dude. Like I, I totally get it. And the Shay thing, the, it's, it's interesting because Shay, Shay is one hell of a player. And if Jalen could turn, and once again, for our listeners out there, our comps are never apples to apples. One for no, one. No, they're shades up. Never. They're shades, shades up. up. Prospect. Shades look. In, in the, in the draft guide, we did a thing yeah. called prospect chemistry. And what yeah. I like about prospect, 
like calling it prospect chemistry is like you're taking a little bit of this player, a little bit of that player, you know, you're putting it in the in the beaker, you're turning on the the Brunson burner and you know, yeah. you're concocting this this thing and like so it's it's prospect chemistry. There's shades a little bit of Shea Gilgis in there. Not the he's not Shea, but he's got a little bit of it. Bingo. So I I get it. I like it. That's exciting. Um, for our Nick fans out there who are listening, are you kidding me? You don't want to add a guy like that next to RJ Barrett. Uh, that's kind of perfect considering I think last summer, everybody was like, there are random rumors like, Oh, will Shea get traded? And if he gets traded, will it be to the New York Knicks? And people went crazy on Twitter and we're put, people started, you know, putting Shea in a Knicks Jersey and stuff. And I'm saying, look, the Knicks are sitting there at 11. If Jalen Williams is on the board and you can add a Shea type of player to your team to play next to RJ Barrett on a rookie contract, sign me up yesterday is what I'm trying to say. So for sure. Bingo. All right. I think an hour 15 on Jalen is pretty thorough. (laughs) Albert, tell the people where they can find you on the World Wide Web. Uh, my name's Albert, Albert Gim, and uh, I'm a fighter pilot for Top Gun. Uh, my call sign is Big Bird, is uh, where you'll find me. I'm just kidding. My uh, Twitter account is at Alberto Gim with an E. Follow me as I try to navigate this strange world known as Twitter. Um, I had a lot of fun last week. Um, putting up that big board and some other stuff that people reacted to. And then I think I was one of the first ones to drop the Dale and Terry announcement this week. And I got some love for that. And uh, which was very exciting for me that Dale and Terry decided to declare for this draft, because that means um, the draft, which is on my birthday guys, which I haven't mentioned a lot, but (laughs) the draft falls on my birthday this year. So (laughs) God is smiling upon me, but uh, if I see Dale and Terry go somewhere that I'm happy with, then I'm going to be just through the moon. So it, it, things are turning out real good for us. Corey is where you yes. find me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's probably going to piss Rucker off, probably piss you off a little bit. I've never seen Top Gun. Yeah. Gulp. Yeah. I've, but I don't, Corey, can I say this? Of course you can. It's, it's Okay. It's okay that you have not seen Top Gun. <laughs> Go and watch that movie and you will have a spiritual experience. I'm telling it in our theater, we were like high-fiving people, clapping. It literally <laughs> felt like a, a sporting event watching that movie. So mm. please watch that movie. It does not matter if you've never seen Top Gun. You will thoroughly enjoy that film. I really want to see it. I'm actually going to watch the first one before do I do it's see it. on Netflix. It. Yeah. Yeah. I it's something that I'm I'm absolutely going to do. I've heard, as you've alluded to, the new one is amazing. So uh, I want to be a part of that. I, I don't like being left out of the, the pop culture conversation. So I apologize to Rucker, who's probably going to be a little less nice about that than, than yeah. you have been. Because I, I like to pride myself in, in being a guy who has pretty much seen most of like the pop culture necessities. Right. And Top, Top Gun, I just, I don't know why I haven't seen it. I just... I haven't. I, I don't have the right stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. You know, like it's just a, a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those glass shatters moments, but I'm going to get on it. Uh, you can find me at Corey Teleba on Twitter. You can find uh, my YouTube NBA draft dude, no ceilings TV. Subscribe to those channels. Uh, make sure that 
you're tuned into every episode of the podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube and you're not subbed to the pod and maybe you came in in the middle of the stream, like make sure you're subbed to the pod so you can get the full episodes. If you're a listener on Spotify, you can watch the episodes on Spotify as well. So subscribe there. Uh, and lastly, just to reiterate, we released a ton of merch. Our 58 player draft guide that was, it, it looks beautiful. And that's all available at noceilingsmba.bigcartel.com. You can go to noceilingsmba.com, find the link there. Uh, shout out to everybody who supported. I honestly, like, I cannot believe the support that we got for it all. Um, just absolutely blown away from from the love that we've received from, from everybody. It, it means the world to us. It's what drives us to keep doing this thing and continue to build out this platform. We got some really cool stuff coming soon which you know is something we say a lot but we were talking about the merch and the draft guide and we have more cool stuff for no ceilings coming soon if you can believe that so make sure you're tuned in and uh we love y'all we out peace peace